children, make your way to spend some good time in the Lord, all right? Have some fun. The rest of you, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I'd like to continue our series this morning, Come, Stay, Go. We talked last week about what it means to come to church. We come confidently, knowing that we are co-heirs with Christ, knowing the God in whom we come to. We come confidently. We come with a pure heart. I hope that you spent time this morning before you came, pouring out your heart before the Father, asking forgiveness of sins, seeking purity and humility. We come confessing our hope. When we confess our hope, we shout and sing and proclaim the name of Jesus because that is our hope. And I hope you came this morning considering each other. Considering each other because that is the bread and butter of what it means to stay here in the church. You see, we come to church to worship God the Father, to meet with Him and His people. But when we linger here at the church, it has purpose. Some of us aren't too good at lingering. Some of us aren't too good at behaving when we linger. Some of us don't even care to linger. And so this morning, I want us to look at what it means when we come to this place, what it means to be a part of this place. I've given you in the last couple weeks a synopsis of of what it means to be the church as, as we pull from a few different scriptures, not neglecting to meet together day by day, attending the temple together to equip his people for works of service. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The local church is a meeting of unified believers seeking understanding and training from the pastor and fellow believers in order to carry out the call of the gospel in their community and beyond. The church meets, equips, and sends. Those are our tasks. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, would you stand with me in honor of the Word of the Lord and the Lord of the Word. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended in the lower regions of the earth? He who ascended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Thank goodness that he did. 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would unite us right now under your word. God, I pray that we would cast aside anything that would try to disjoin us, anything that would try to dismember us. God, I pray that you would speak through your word to us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Sunday school teacher was telling his class the story of the prodigal son. And wishing to emphasize the resentful attitude of the elder brother, he laid stress on that part of the parable. After describing the rejoicing of the household over the return of the wayward son, the teacher spoke of one who in the midst of the festivities failed to share in the jubilant spirit of the occasion. Can anybody in the class, he asked, tell me who this was that would not join in the fe- that would not seek to join in the festivities? A little 9-year-old girl had been listening sympathetically to the story. She waved her hand in the air. I know, she said beamingly. It was the fatted calf. Go read the story, you'll get that. You see, the reality is that we have something to teach each other. We have been gifted to equip one another for good works. From the youngest to the oldest among us, from the youngest to the oldest believer in this room, we have been given time an opportunity when we come to this place to take part in edifying the body of Christ. As Southern Baptists, we have learned to excel when we work together for the cause of Christ. We are best when Christ is our head and we are filling our roles as the body. We stay here to be equipped for good works. We stay here to be equipped for good works. Look at our text. There's this idea of unity, of a body. There's this idea that Christ is the head and we are the body. We know from countless scripture where Paul talks about the body that you can't the, the foot can't exist without the hand. The eye can't exist without the ear. I don't know which of us is the appendix. But we are the body of Christ. You do your thing, I do mine. We do it together so that the cause of Christ may go forth. So that the people of God may be edified. So that we can grow in Christ. 
The first thing that I want to look at in our text is this idea of spiritual unity. Spiritual unity is essential. Spiritual unity is essential. If we are going to call ourselves a church, a local body of believers, spiritual unity is essential to what we are doing. Look at verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We struggle with that one. We could probably preach a whole sermon right there, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body. There is one Spirit. There is one hope. There is one Lord. There is one call. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father. You and I walked in here as believers unified under Jesus Christ. Sometimes we don't act like it. Spiritual unity is essential if we are to be equipped for good works. Paul was looking at the church as the body of Christ made of true believers growing in spiritual maturity. And he also saw the local body of believers Ministering to each other, growing together, and experiencing spiritual unity. We are better together as a local church. Beyond that, we're better together as an association, as a a state convention, as a national convention. But here in our church, we are better when we are together, when we are unified. A freelance missionary visited a pastor, asking him for financial support. What group are you associated with, asked the pastor. The man replied, I belong to the invisible church. The pastor asked, well, what church are you a member of? Again, he got the answer, I belong to the invisible church. Getting a bit Suspicious at this point, the pastor asked, when does this invisible church meet and who pastors it? The missionary then became upset. And he said, well, your church here isn't the church. I belong to the invisible church. To which the pastor replied, well, here's some invisible money to help you minister to the invisible church. I believe that we are part of the church universal. We are part of the church, big C. But here in the local church, here in the local body of believers, we are called to be spiritually unified. We are indeed connected to the church universal, but we do not need to miss out on the great work that happens right here in the local church. We need to seek unity on a personal level. In our church. Let me take a side road for just a minute. If your tithe is not here. Then go be where your tithe is. We must be unified in our giving. If your time is not here. Then go be where your time is. 
We must be unified in our time. If your abilities, your talents, your gifts are not here, then go where they are. We must be unified in our efforts. Listen, I love you and this church loves you. But if we're holding you back from being where God has called you to be, where God needs you to be, then shame on us and shame on you. Now, if this is where your tithe is, then is your time here too? If this is where your time is, then are your efforts here too? Notice the text. We aren't just unified in one thing. Just because we write a check, just because we've been baptized under the blood of Jesus Christ and we joined a church and we write a check to them does not mean that we are unified with that church. Just because we give our time to the church, we we go in whenever the doors are open, that does not mean that you are unified with the church. Just because you teach a Sunday school class, just because you lead a small group, just because you serve at events does not mean that you're unified with the church. We're unified in all things. All things. One body, one spirit, one call, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Our unity is in everything. We are called to be unified. Spiritual unity is essential. Without it, kingdom work is weak. Without spiritual unity, kingdom work is weak. Time and again we hear of church splits, churches disbanding, churches closing their doors, all because unity walked out the door first. I'm not saying that God is not still at work among the lost where there are churches that can't see to get along. What I'm saying is that we diminish the witness of the local church when we cannot seem to get along. Christ said in John 13, 35, they will know that you are my disciples by the manner in which you love one another. Without spiritual unity, kingdom work becomes weak. But with it, gospel work is profound. Gospel work is profound. When Paul is writing here to the church in Ephesus, this is a church that is experiencing some ups and downs, but mostly ups. To understand to be unified is to know that God will bring the increase. To be unified is to know that God will do the work. To be unified is to know that the gospel is first and foremost. And its work should be important. Let me tell you something. When we are unified, the gospel springs up all over. Christ's love is infectious. Listen, when we love one another, it's infectious. When we are bonded together, little can come in the way of the gospel work. When you and I 
are unified. There's not much that can stop us in the way of taking the gospel to Bristow, to Oklahoma, to the United States and the ends of the earth. Spiritual unity is essential if we ever plan to go and do exactly what God has called us to do. Secondly, spiritual maturity is effectual. Spiritual maturity is effectual. We have spiritual unity, and what happens when we have spiritual unity is that God begins to produce something. God begins to produce something within us, something outside of us, something around us. And for us, it becomes spiritual maturity. Look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Notice he did not say he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to do the work of ministry. That Those whom God calls are not hirelings. He called them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to spiritual maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You and I come here and we meet together to equip one another so that we may become more like Christ. Spiritual maturity means that we are more Christ-like. We grow by consuming the Word of God and ministering to each other. Have you ever sat in a small group and looked at a text that maybe you have read time and time and time and time and time again, and all of a sudden somebody from across the room says something that you have never seen, never understood, never grasped from that text. And all of a sudden, the Word of God becomes so alive in your life and you realize, oh my goodness, I can, I can be more like Christ if I did that. If I, if I looked at this this way, I could see myself pushing into Christ more. Have you ever sat under a certain teacher and just felt like every time you left Bible study, every time you left Sunday school under that teacher, just felt like maybe you could go conquer hell with a water pistol? We have the ability, if we are unified, we have the ability to lift one another up, to equip each other for good works. There are things that I'm not good at, but there are things that you're good at. There are things that you're not good at, but I'm good at. There are things that you need to learn that I can teach, and there are things that I need to learn that you can teach. 
God didn't design the church for us to just come together and brag about how awesome we are. He designed the church so that we could come together, see how awesome someone else is, and learn and try to be more Christ-like. Spiritual maturity, I hope, is something that each of us is striving for. And if we are striving for such, if we want to be more Christ-like, we need to learn to lean into each other. We're more Christ-like. We're also more stable. We're more stable. Until we attain the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Listen, when we are seeking spiritual maturity, when we are unified The maturing Christian is not tossed about by every religious novelty that comes along. We cease to follow men and we start to follow Jesus. False doctrine, apostasy, is recognized by the mature Christian. Why? Because they have been In the Word of God, they've been around the people of God, and they've been at the feet of God. Mature believers can stand in the face of a modern culture. Guys, we're not in postmodernism anymore. We're not in this whole idea of self-reliance, this whole idea of looking to self. We're in a world that is taking every single spiritual thing that comes out and running wild with it. And shamefully, that's happening more in our churches than it is in society. We have a lot of baby Christians tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We're not unified anymore. We do not equip each other anymore. and Therefore, we have less and less of those who are spiritually mature. Stable in their Christian faith. Finally, under spiritual maturity, when it is effectual, we are truthful and loving. Truthful and loving. Loving. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love. That's an important word, rather, right there. He's saying, rather than spiritually immature people being tossed about by every wind of doctrine, rather speak. Truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. 
It has been well said that truth without love is brutality. But love without truth is hypocrisy. It is a mark of maturity when we are able to share the truth with our fellow Christians and do it in love. But far too often we fall on one side or the other, don't we? We come down with brutal truth, spoken in harsh words, spoken with no consideration to what is said. We condemn and therefore cast people aside. I can't tell you how many people have been church hurt, have been hurt by the people of the local body of believers because of something that was said not in love. But the opposite is just as futile. When we speak only in love and we never speak the truth, We begin to allow people to be tossed to and fro. We begin to allow people to sink into immaturity while we do so ourselves. Proverbs 27.6 tells us that faithful are the wounds of a friend. I know sometimes it's hard to tell folks something. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Listen, if we are ever going to be unified, we need to learn how to speak to one another in truth. We need to tell each other, hey, you need to stop that. Hey, brother, you're you're sinking down that way. You're, you're, You're fading down that way. Brother, listen, that is not what Scripture says. We need to speak the truth, but we need to do it in love. We need to be able to communicate with one another. With a loving heart giving and a loving heart receiving. If we're ever going to be unified, if it's ever going to produce spiritual maturity within us, we've got to be truthful. And we have to be loving. From the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Therefore, speaking the truth in love, let us equip one another and edify one another that we all may grow to be more like Christ. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We could preach a lot longer. And we could preach about a lot more stuff. When it comes to coming together Equipping each other. We could have practical seminars. We could have revitalization weekends where we learn how to come together and equip one another.
in unity. We could have come to Jesus meeting after come to Jesus meeting with each other. We could lovingly point each other to where we need to go, but I need you to understand something. If your heart ain't in it, ain't going to do much. Church, a vibrant, thriving, real church that's following hard after Jesus is a church that is spiritually unified and a church that is seeking spiritual maturity. Are we that? Are you that? Are you seeking spiritual unity with the people around you? Or are you just continuing to live in your own little bubble? Are you continuing to live in your own little thought process? Are you continuing to live just trying to make it by? Are you giving somewhere else? Are you working somewhere else? Are you using your gifts somewhere else? Or are you pouring them into this local body of believers where God has called you? Are we unified? Are we seeking spiritual maturity? Are you seeking spiritual maturity in life? Are you seeking those things? Are you trying to be more Christ-like? Listen, the best thing that you can do for me and the best thing that I can do for you is to be more Christ-like. The best thing that you can do for the person in the pew next to you, the person in the pew behind you, the person across the room, the best thing you can do is to be Christ-like. The best thing you can do for the lost people outside these walls is to be more Christ-like. Are you stable? Are you stable? Or are you tossed about by everything that comes along? Maybe you read a blog post. Maybe you see something on Facebook or Instagram. Maybe, maybe you hear and talk to a friend. Or maybe you, um, maybe you attend some kind of conference or a service. Are you tossed to and fro by everything that you hear? Or are you grounded and stable in the Word of God? Grounded and stable in the body of believers that you are a part of? Are you truthful? Some of you are way too truthful. Some of you are way too loving. Some of us teeter back and forth just depending on the day. Have we learned in our Christ-likeness to be truthful and loving at the same time? Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe, maybe you didn't hear anything until you heard that. Maybe that's what God is speaking to you today. Is, Listen, I need you to be more truthful and loving. I need you to be able to love people with the truth. I need you to be able to speak the truth into people without them turning and saying, well, they're crazy. 
Maybe that's you. Therefore, speaking love to one another, let us equip each other for good works as the body of Christ. As they play and as they sing, I want you to sit with your heads bowed. I want you to examine your heart, see where the word pierced today. And ask the Lord to help you. As a member of this church, ask the Lord to help you to seek spiritual unity, to seek spiritual maturity. Maybe you're here and you're not a member of this church, and maybe you would love to be a part. Would you come let this preacher know? Maybe you're here and you can't be Christ-like because you don't even know Christ. Let me tell you something. The greatest thing you can ever do in your life is not become a member of a church. The greatest thing you can do in your life is not to be part of the local body. The greatest thing you can do in this life is to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That opportunity is here for you today. As they sing and play, you spend some time in prayer. Asking the Lord to show you what it means to stay at the church. God, I pray that you would teach us. Teach us in your word. Teach us through each other what it means to be the church. Teach us what it means to be unified. Teach us what it means to be in unity. One body, one spirit, one call, one hope, one faith, one Lord and one God. Father, God, I pray that you would teach us what that means. Show us what that means. Let us be found faithful in being unified, be found faithful in maturing 
into Christ-likeness. God, I pray that you would be honored in our giving. I pray that as we take this offering, I pray that you would be glorified in the gift. Be glorified in the giver. God, I pray that you'd be glorified in the use of what you've given, what you've entrusted us with. May we be found as good stewards. We give you this, and it's in your name I pray. Amen.